welcome to part two of Listening Post Alpha. We are Bakering Peaks with Lindsay and Aiden. Mm. And we are Time for Cherry Pie and Coffee with Bex and Ethan. <laughs> and, and we definitely weren't just drinking wine there when we should be talking. So. <laughs> nope, not at all. It's okay. We are, we are dealing with a time difference here and it's very, very early in the morning for you guys. So we, we are cutting you some major slack here for being this early in the morning and you guys are able to talk this coherently. It's brilliant. Yeah, so yeah, Very impressive. Uh, so back in part one of uh, Listening Post Alpha, we discussed all of the, the kind of forces for good, the good characters, the, uh, the positive influences, um, we touched on a little bit of the bad stuff, the evil stuff, but here we're going to really dive in. We're going to get to the bottom of, well, as much as we can, get to the bottom of We get to the surface these. of some of the bad <laughs> that's going on. Um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think uh, similar to last time, we just kind of opened it up with uh, how, do you, how do you kind of see evil being presented in, in, this, in the return, as opposed to maybe uh, Fire Walk With Me and... The original series have you noticed any like really big distinct differences in how it's being portrayed well I, I think the most startling difference is what we kind of have for the first eight hours is seeing evil being portrayed through the physical form of a character who was previously the force for good within the show and how startling that is even though mr c looks different in many ways it's still Cooper and to to kind of see that version of a sort of iconic kind of heroic character um, that kind of embodied a lot of the things that people loved about the show now being so evil um, in amongst all of the other evil influences that are going on and there's there seem to be you know a, a lot of characters both uh, in Twin Peaks and Las Vegas and Buckhorn everywhere who who are um, having a malign influence, but it's particularly striking, particularly when he's had so much screen time and he's so important, arguably at the moment more important in the plot than Good Cooper is, who is just kind of bumbling around in Las Vegas at the moment, that I don't think anyone really expected what we were going to get from Doppel Cooper you know we knew that he must be out there we knew that he would be around but i don't think anybody really had any idea of how he was going to be portrayed what he was going to be or be completely ready for the the kind of character that we were going to get and how it would feel to to see a mm-hmm. good character just being at the sort of the heart of evil within the show right yeah when it really cuts to the to the core of that duality aspect that that's always kind of been at the center of twin peaks which is you know, the good and evil side by side existing in the same person. Um, and yeah, we get, you know, <laughs> as much good as there was in Cooper for the first two seasons here in the return, we're getting pure evil Cooper. And it is, it feels like um, a balance, but also, um, yeah, it is. It's re- it's very unsettling. It's, it's watching this person that you've, or this character that you've come to love um, be really, yeah, the, the driving force of a lot of bad things happening. Um, and, you know, just the brutality of it and, and how it's filmed and how uh, Kyle McLaughlin is playing him. I think more can than we, anything. Can we give props to Kyle McLaughlin for yes. playing three characters <laughs> superbly, I think. Well, more than that, I guess, because yeah, he's, he's playing, playing Dougie and he's playing Dougie Coop. So yeah. he's playing four characters, really. So far. So far. I think it's just phenomenal what he's been able to do with with the, these characters um, to play 
good and evil and neutral, I guess, in a way. He's doing a yeah, inert neutral. Show. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> yeah, we were joking before that maybe next year's Emmys are going to get sewn up by Carl McLaughlin and Tatiana Maslany for Orphan Black, yeah. both of them for playing multiple people within their own shows and just completely knocking it out of the park, both of them. It's fantastic. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. If it doesn't happen, I'm going to riot. <laughs> It'll be really cool if actually Carl McLaughlin is nominated three times for each of the games and spits his own No vote. kidding. No kidding. That would be amazing. That would be great, yeah. No, absolutely. Um. One of the, I mean, we, we've been taking questions from people, and one of the questions right off the bat, since we're talking about Mr. C, uh, Robert Hart wrote in to say, it seems that Mr. C's story is at a turning point. Where do you think he's trying to go? And um, just curious about what, what your thoughts are on, on where Mr. C's story, where has it gone so far, and where ultimately are we headed with this character? Especially after part eight, where we don't really know what's happened with Mr. C. I think although it's been established that he is an evil character, I still haven't really been able to work out how much of it is Doppelkoop and how much of it is the influence of the inhabiting Bob spirit inside mm -hmm. of him. You know, I can almost make predictions based on what we've seen so far, but if Bob is now out, I'm kind of actually quite interested in what Doppelkoop is actually like in the real world and what his mission is here. Yeah. Um, because you can almost imagine that a lot of the events, especially what may have happened, um, and I still don't think it's resolved um, between Doppelkoop and Audrey, for example, mm -hmm. all those different plot lines, they do seem very Bob like. Mm -hmm. They don't really necessarily reflect what Doppelkoop is going to do on his own. And I think that look that he gave the camera when he kind of sits up, that implied that something fundamentally had changed inside him. Mm -hmm. um, he wasn't, you know, I think Bob was a very specific kind of evil. Whereas I think Doppelkoop is the shadow side of Cooper, which is a different thing. And I think the moral ambiguity of a specific character like Cooper does not easily split into good and bad. Um, I think that Bob is what maybe adds the evil aspect that we're seeing a little bit. Right. Um, it's right. not going to be as clear cut. But, you know, the journey so far, I, you know, I was thinking a little bit earlier, and we discussed it a few times, I think you have as well. You know, I don't really get a sense of what Doppelkoop stroke Bob has been actually doing for the last yeah. 25 years, mm -hmm. you know, it's nice that the show has come back and he said, I'll see you again in 25 years or whatever. But yeah. it doesn't really make much sense what he's been doing that time. I mean, he's been in what he's been in Brazil for some of the yeah. time. He may have been involved in killing an FBI agent in Colombia. Yeah. He's been hanging out with Otis and Bueller's network as well. Yeah. Whether we return to them, I don't know. Right. And he has this bizarre mission to get these coordinates. But is that yeah. mission still on now that Bob has left? I, you know, right. I don't know. Yeah, no, and that's, uh, yeah, I mean, Doppelkoop's motivations are complete mystery at this point. Yeah. Um, all we know is that he doesn't need things. That's really all he <laughs> said. But, really. but how much of that is Bob too, right? Like, I mean, we, we know that Bob wanted things, I think, didn't he? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But, um, but, but, but I think, I mean, I think the way we 
but I think the way a lot of people interpret that was that it was a contrast to what Cooper had told Audrey mm-hmm. um, yeah. in the in his bedroom mm-hmm. all those years ago in at the Great Northern. Um, and I feel like yeah. So what if Cooper doesn't need anything? If he doesn't need Garmin Bosia, if he doesn't need um, you know whatever the pleasures of the flesh or whatever that it was that Bob needed. Then, then what is he exactly doing in here? Mm-hmm. Is is his desire just to stay in the planet Earth, and that's why he resisted going back to the Black Lodge? Um, and and what has he been doing with Philip Jeffries, um, uh, who I think is by far the mo- far, far most mysterious character right now? Yeah. Not just Philip Jeffries, but whoever he was talking to on the phone, who probably mm-hmm. wasn't Philip Jeffries, mm-hmm. or whoever he thought Philip Jeffries had been. <laughs> you know, like as usual with. Uh, Twin Peaks. There's there's just so many unknowns that um, we're we're guessing on guesses. Really, like mm-hmm. if you think that was the real Philip Jeffries he was talking to, then why did he betray Cooper all of a sudden? If and if it's not, then who was he? Why did he think that it was him? You know, there's there's just so many questions there, and and that's all we've got is that one scene really to go on so far, um, of of Cooper's kind of or double Cooper, sorry, backstory mm-hmm. uh, for the last yeah 25 years. Really, um, we know he's a bad dude. And yeah, he uh, wants things, and that's I don't know. There's there's nothing more. It's kind of a black hole, um, but I feel like yeah, we're gonna get more of that. I, I definitely think it's it's kind of a necessary part of the this where the story's going. That we'll 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 hear more about where he's headed. Yeah. What about so stemming? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. There you go. Uh, well, I was just going to ask what we thought about Phil Jeffries. Uh, Julie ah. wrote in and asked if yeah. if we thought that we'd see him. Um, I'm I'm wondering if we've heard from him yet. If that was, it didn't sound like Philip Jeffries or any Philip Jeffries that we know. But uh, clearly, he's he's a very important character here. Mm-hmm. But like Aiden said, one of the most mysterious ones that we've encountered. So, do we think that we're going to see Philip Jeffries? <laughs> <laughs> I think yes, and I think I still think there is going to be. A Bowie cameo somewhere in this. Yeah. I stick to that because I think it's odd that Mark Frost was not involved in Firewalk with me. Mm-hmm. And yet a a pivotal character in the mythology established in Firewalk with me is suddenly not only brought back, but seems to be, like Aiden says, a major player here. Yeah. He seems to be playing absolutely everyone. And right. those who he's not playing, he is linked to, um, like uh, Cole and Albert and people like that. I mean, he is linked to those characters somehow. Mm-hmm. I still think, you know, his his phone call is very mysterious. I don't know if that was necessarily the Philip Jeffries we know, but, right. you know, that wasn't just a callback that it could have been in episode two. I mean, it could have just been them saying, oh, look, you know, we're going to have the name again so people like it. It's clear they don't care yeah. about that. You know, yeah. he keeps coming up and I still think he's playing Ray as well. Right. I think he's orchestrating the whole thing. I think it's hard to work out what that statement means. You know, I you know, I um, I will be with Bob again. Mm-hmm. You know, what that truly means. Because obviously Jeffries has been to one of their meetings, as he sure. said. And now we've seen the convenience store. Mm-hmm. And we know that's where these things are happening. And we know that yeah. the guy can travel around in time. Mm-hmm. And it would be interesting to see how and if he pops up. I mean, I think it'd be odd to recast him 
and mm-hmm. have the same Philip Jeffries. I can see them having a, a doppel form of him. So maybe Jeffries <laughs> has gone in and, and split. Um, but to be honest, I mean, they have a Skype with Warren Frost. Mm-hmm. And I I think that they it would be a wonderful thing if they had something, you know, even audio. He could have recorded a phone call. He could have done something which just mm-hmm. has original David Bowie here. And I yeah. think that's why I think they're building it up. I think it'd be odd to talk about it so much and not have the Philip Jeffries we knew turn up. Because I think one of the things that Lynch said was Fire Walk With Me is very important. I think that's not just yeah. the mythology, but the... So far, we're seeing a lot of the iconography in that coming through yes. as well, mm-hmm. um, yeah. more so than even original Twin Peaks iconography so far. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, to come back to this idea of that initial phone call with uh, the question of I'll be with Bob again or uh, yeah. however, however the, the quote went, um, it, it brings up some questions about who else it could be if, like Aiden said, if this is if this is not Philip Jeffries, then who is it that, that we're talking to? It could be, like you said, a doppel version of, of Jeffries. Um, one other person that, that came to mind for us anyway was that maybe it's Mike, and maybe Mike is having mm. some kind of a role there because Mike was with Bob at some point in the past, and his goal has always been to uh, to get Bob back or to well, stop the to evil stop that the he's, evil that he does, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, perpetuating on the world. Um which brings up some really interesting things about these these lodge denizens and these these characters that we aren't really sure about their motivations anymore, right? I mean, I don't know how you guys always viewed Mike and and the arm. The arm was evil, yeah. But here we have the evolution of the arm, and it has a, an evil doppelganger. Um, and or then is we have the doppelganger good and or did something positive for do- for Cooper. <laughs> It's so, it, like, the mythology has become quite muddied, right? Yeah. And um, if it is Mike on the phone with Doppelkoop in that scene in the hotel, is it possible that, like the giant, Mike is also some kind of neutralizing force or mm. some kind of balancing force? Um, that they're playing on the same team, but they don't really know it, maybe. Or yeah. or maybe they do know it. Maybe they are orchestrating this together. But I, I, I'm not sure that that's the case either because... Uh, Mike seems kind of baffled that that uh, uh, Dougie was manufactured and we saw a gold sphere come out of Dougie's head and then we see the giant produce a gold sphere. So it, it made me wonder if maybe the giant had something to do with Dougie's manufacture um, as like a safe place to put Cooper before he was until he was ready to be back. Um, I don't know. I, I, I there's, there's a question in there somewhere. I'm going to throw it to you guys. What do you think about generally about Mike and, and his role here. Yeah, it's tricky because it, if he is the voice who is saying, I will be with Bob again, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that he wants to be with Bob again in order to um, be under Bob's influence again. Right. Perhaps, perhaps Mike now believes that he's strong enough in some way to contain Bob mm. or to get him back into the blackboard and keep him there. Mm-hmm. Um, is he trying to atone in some way for what he had done in the past um, in the way that we, we saw that he was basically trying to hunt Bob down in the original series right? Um, and was quite sort of belligerent about about wanting to um, to help 
Laura realise what was going on um, in Fire mm. Walk With Me. Um, but at the same time, he was angry at Bob for stealing the Garmambosia. And is, and is Garmambosia only something that, um, you know, Lodge uh, inhabitants who are evil in some way need to consume? Does Mike right. even still need to consume Garmambosia? But there was an implication also that it was to do with maybe Bob taking too much and kind of overdoing it a little bit right. in some way. Yeah, you stole mine. Yeah. My, my allotment that I was yeah. supposed to have, yeah. Which might also tie to what he's been doing over the last 25 years. I mean, has Bob been basically harvesting a, you know, a shit ton of Garmin Bosia for some reason, storing it up for some reason? Right, right. Um, Yeah, but the other thing that that that's made me think of now is the fact that Mike talked about canning it, um, which is effectively a way of what is is preserving it. So if you have an Mm -hmm. awful lot and you can it, you don't have to make more. You don't have to cause people to suffer in order to harvest yeah. more because you have a supply there but if you waste it then you are going to have to make more mm-hmm. um and, it, and is that what bob is continuing to do um so there's I, a limited amount maybe that they had to go and get and they have it stored but actually maybe bob just likes the process of collecting it and harvesting it um, and maybe he feeds off it and it makes him stronger so then he's decided that he wants it fresh not from a can well, and that's sort of the implication from Fire Walk With Me, too, is that he, or was it Fire Walk With Me? Or no, it was in um, uh, midway through season two where Mike tells Cooper that Bob likes the pleasures of the, or the, the pleasures in the, fear and the pleasures, I think hmm. was the quote. Hmm. Um, so he's drawn to those human experiences. So there's something, something else going on there. And I think those are the things that produce, especially fear, produces the car- the garmambosia maybe so there could be something to that that he he wants to consume it fresh he's got a taste for it he wants that stuff mm. you know before it's been canned and yeah you know or or something potentially so that that could explain what he's been going on aiden's just, just shaking his head he has no a, idea what's just, going no, on no no just it's such we're stretching so far beyond well, any textual clues <laughs> i love it it's it just, great it is we have to reach for it because there's been nothing in the in the mm-hmm. return even to to really go on except for yes we we saw the convenience store we'd already seen the convenience store in fire we Walker saw the community. inside now we see the outside now we see the outside mm-hmm. and the origin of it yeah potentially. potentially um but you know it's still not clear what the woodsmen do um, like just to just to go through the litany of all the the evil characters and, and our understanding of them, no idea what the woodsmen do except for potentially take Bob out of Cooper so far mm-hmm. uh, and crush people's skulls and read on the radio. Um, <laughs> what else? We have Double Cooper who kills people and you know is looking for coordinates, probably for a gateway maybe. Um, who else is 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 evil? I mean the whole. I think you could talk for an hour about Mike, um, the arm and the relationship there. And then their doppelgangers really, I mean, was Mike started off evil. He cut off the, the arm. So was the arm then evil? Because we've seen the arm many, many times. He's been with Cooper many times and is, uh, is he therefore evil in the return as well when he's the tree? Um, and was his doppelganger then good? But then why was uh, Mike, who's apparently good now, talking to the tree as if it was a positive thing? I mean, this is just the logistical rabbit holes that we can fall into. 
Um, well, and it, it, it maybe it's it's more useful to think about Mike and some of these uh, characters we've seen. I mean, we know Bob is pure evil, but maybe Mike is somewhere else on on a spectrum, right? Mm. That's why, you know, thinking he's a um, a balancing force might be more yeah useful useful that way. Yeah, but uh, but it certainly is. It's complicated by so many things. The woodsmen, especially, have really. I mean, they're a brand new thing that's introduced in the in the return. Well, I mean, they were in Firewalk with me for in the background yes, for two true. seconds. Yeah, but but we didn't really know anything about them, and this is the first time we've seen them actually doing things. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we infer from from the woodsmen? Like, what where where do their allegiances lie? Are they connected to Bob? I think one of the questions we had was, what's the relationship between uh, the woodsmen and Bob? Yeah. Um, from our friend Kevin McCarty, who sent us a bunch of questions. We, we should just have a whole episode dedicated to the questions that Kevin sent us because they were great. Um, but yeah, is are, is are they related to Bob? Are they related to Mike? Their their connection with the convenience store and the canned goods in the convenience store suggests that maybe they're working with Mike on, maybe they're the harvesters, maybe they're the ones that go out and collect the Garmin Bosia and then can it for Mike in the convenience store? And what is that too with, literal? Yeah, what was up with the poem and, you know... The whole radio bit at the mm. end. What, what do yeah. you what do you think? <laughs> so, in part eight, you, you see the nuclear explosion, and then you see the woodsmen starting to gather around the convenience store. Yeah. Before you actually see the kind of mother figure or, or whatever that creature is, yeah. um, kind of vomiting up the stream of eggs, and then the the kind of sack that has Bob in, which yeah. implies that the woodsmen were created either simultaneously with Bob or maybe even a little bit before him. Right. Um, but is there a connection between them? Are they almost kind of harbingers of, of what's coming? Are they are they um, created out of the same kind of energy, but they kind of lay the groundwork? They almost kind of the foot soldiers of of the the spirits that are, are coming? Because we, it, it does appear that they are either drawn to Bob when they're taking him out of Doppelkoop, mm-hmm. um, that are they rescuing him? Are they trying to take him back? Um, there's, there's some connection between them and it, it could simply be a connection of their origin. They were created at the same time mm-hmm. out of the same uh, kind of energy yeah. or, or do they have a specific role to play um, in sort of, putting in all the groundwork at the, mm-hmm. at the, at the convenience store. Mm-hmm. Um, are they, I mean, we, we kind of speculated last time about whether they might be radioactive in some way because of right. the way they seem to decay. Um, yeah. But I, I, I don't know. Are, are, is it possible that they could not continue to exist if the Lodge spirits didn't have influence on Earth? Um, I mean, certainly right. they do change because the ones we see um, at the establishment of the convenience store, mm-hmm. they might be very disheveled and quite shabby, but they're not all um, sooty and blackened yet. Right. And that seem, and it seems to be that even when we see them again in 56, when they go to the radio station, that's yeah. when they're, they're still... Um, not physically that much different, but they've just become more blackened in that right. time. It looks like because they're more sort of uniform in tone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, if we jump to what is possibly more of the present day, the one we see walking through the hallway at the morgue and the one yes. next to Hastings, those ones are very fragile and withered. 
and they right. disintegrate almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and they look completely kind of burned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which makes you wonder if there's a finite lifespan to those characters. It's not as if anything has happened to re-establish their um, sort of physical presence. And certainly when they appear in front of Ray, they're not 100% corporeal. They right. are spirits as well. Yeah. And, and so they wouldn't really... I, mean, I like your analogy in your episode where you, where you were talking about uh, the three witches. They yeah. do appear very... Uh, sinister and supernatural and actually probably more so than then than you originally see them at the convenience store i mean Mm -hmm. there they just look like they are drones almost being instructed to do something but by whom and for what purpose it's it's kind of unclear yeah and i mean their origins are even still a little bit questionable because we we see them appear in relation sort of to the the bomb blast i think we're meant to assume it's yeah it's connected. there we're still in new mexico yeah. um but but i mean some other people have thrown out some theories that they're radioactive that they were created maybe that they're miners like new mexico or, or southwest miners who died and then their spirits have been brought back by this bomb blast and now they are like you said drones or minions of of this evil force um, some other people have said that because they're called woodsmen, that maybe they're the spirits of the dead um, loggers who, who died in Twin Peaks in the fire in 1902 or whenever that was from the secret history of Twin Peaks, um, which could be another link between what happened there and what's happening here. Um, but yeah. it's, it's, it's yet yeah, muddy. Yeah, and um, there, there's also another opportunity possibility that they're completely unrelated to bob to any of the other like one of the key things that i found really interesting in in the secret history was that um there were multiple spirit entities there were there were giants and there were the lemurians yeah yeah and there were the owls owls and all these things so it's potential that we're seeing like five or six different factions or groups or, or however you want to categorize them um that all have their own their own, yeah, their own and agendas tools. and purposes. Maybe they're maybe these guys feast on bobs. You know, like <laughs> who knows? You know, maybe they they have to eat off the the excrement of mother or experiment or however you're gonna classify her, right? Um, again, we're, we're it's it's a potential theory. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. There's 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 little support at this point for anything except for the woodsmen are do seem to be following. Um, Bob's activities potentially. Well, and they and they they they're attracted to the electricity. They give off mm-hmm. an electrical crackle, yeah. and being attracted to the radio station and and following power lines and that kind of thing, um, it's it's interesting because that's that's where lodge spirits, so far, mm-hmm. seem to travel or are attracted to electricity. So, um, w- I think we know that much. Yeah. But where their allegiances lie like we don't even know what exactly they were doing with the bob egg thing that they took out of cooper's body i mean were they excising him were they was was this some kind of a ritual exorcism they were removing bob or were they um like temporarily removing him in order to heal cooper and then putting him back in we we really just don't know anything about it. it and it comes back to this like this idea of who is the person that sits up at the end of that? Is it is it Coop, Mr. C with Bob or just the doppelganger? And I think that'll be a really interesting thing to see how that plays out. 
I think I, I think two things related to what you've been saying. I mean, one is uh, the fact that this explosion. I mean, so a lot of people are talking that talking about the fact that it may have opened up a rip between realities. Mm. So actually, although we presume that it's between the world as we know it and you know the world of the lodgers it could be multiple mm-hmm. things have opened up in which case mm-hmm. these woodsmen could be from a completely different sort of existence you right. know, near to the others um the other aspect is you know why is it when they pull the spirit of bob out of mr c it's in the same form that we see it in that stream of gunk that's spewing right. out of mother Right. So it's not like when uh, Leland was cracked in prison and yeah. he kind of screams and he loses it. And then the next thing we see is, I presume, Bob in the spirit of an owl there because they have that, mm-hmm. that shot of him or flying an owl kind woods. of flying through the woods. Yeah. Um, yeah, it has that Evil Dead style thing where it's moving through the, you know, near yeah. the woods yeah. and you see it there. Yeah. That's not how we see that here. It's not like it's this is Bob... Um, leaving a vessel through a conventional means and it's odd that the next time we see it it's in the same form in that kind of weird mm-hmm. egg sack yeah. right. it doesn't really well well maybe it you know it it somehow is tying together i think these different elements of where and how time is really playing a role here and mm-hmm. whether what happens when the bob is removed you know is that then going to go back in time to when the explosion happens or is this the start of a completely different sort of tangent of where that thing is going to go i mean is this mm-hmm. is this basically how in 2017 they're showing the spirit of bob being removed they're showing that's how it was created from the mother they're showing mm-hmm. as a callback although it's in reverse this is how it's removed from mr c and then you might see that thing again later on going into another character right yeah no right. yeah it could be, could be any of us. <laughs> and I mean, another another theory uh, is that this is just a, a convenient way of um, removing Bob from the picture, kind of entirely, because Frank Silver's no longer with us. Mm. So um, we're running out of stock footage of him from from previous episodes. So we need to maybe maybe Doppelkoop will become the central figure. Maybe there there won't be a Bob necessarily. I'm not sure if that's yeah. because we we do. I mean, it's it's kind of hinted that we're seeing the birth of bob in the in the scene with mother um but i'm i'm curious how you guys interpret that too because it it well first of all let's start with do you think it's labeled as experiment but do you assume mm-hmm. that this is the mother that yeah. was mentioned in in uh part three yeah yes. we had a, a question didn't we who was it yes who, we did um andrew grievous yes okay uh, here grievous, we go yeah, yeah. Um, is the mother-like entity that Bob in a Bubble spawned from the same mother mentioned in the Purple Room and is also that which killed Tracy and Sam? Yeah. What do you think? I, 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 <laughs> it's possible that there's more than one of these types of creatures. Maybe this is just another type of uh, spirit entity that we, we've seen hinted and mentioned in, in The Secret History of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um it's really early to tell if they're going to expand on that part of the mythology and, and there's like a whole race of these gray alien type creatures. Mm. But I think it's played by the same actress. You guys brought that up in your yeah. episode. Um, so that 
lends itself to the idea that it is the same. I, I'm going to go with it's the same. Mother and the experiment are sure. the same. Okay. Yeah. Do you agree? I, I, I am withholding all judgment <laughs> at this point. <laughs> I am interested in in, uh, in everyone's opinions because uh, yeah, I think it. I mean that that whole sequence with uh, Nido and American Girl, um, I thought was really interesting. But um, you know, the the connections between the worlds are just so so uh, thin at this point um, that it feels like. But but yeah, I okay okay. I'm reneging. Yes, I agree entirely. Uh, I think this is. I think they are supposed to. At least you're supposed to interpret them that way. That this is the mother who's giving birth through a bunch of eggs. I think all the imagery at least definitely connects. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, do you guys generally agree as well. Yeah, I I think, I I think it's probably the same figure that appears in the glass box in New York. Um. What confuses me a bit about the reference to you'd better hurry, my mother's coming and the banging on the door in the kind of purple room Mm -hmm. is that it's by that kind of open purple sea that we also see the black and white mansion with Mm -hmm. the giant question mark fireman, whatever we can call him now, I'm not sure, Um, and Senorita Dido live in, which suggests that they are in some kind of the same plane of existence or non-existence or wherever mm-hmm. that ocean is. So what would it mean if there were um, figures um, who were in that other place by the Purple Sea, in that, mm-hmm. that purple room with uh, Nido and American Girl? What would it mean if the mother experiment figure was their mother? Does that mean that this figure also has something to do mm. with the giant and the other people who live within the sea. It, is it even the same sea or is right. it just some kind of visual representation of far away and removed from everything? Because, and also would that call back to what uh, the giant question mark says at the very beginning when he says to, to Cooper, they are in our house now. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that wherever this mother figure is from, if it's in an alternate dimension, another place, another lodge, wherever it is, has it somehow broken through into wherever they are in the in the purple ocean? And does that mean that it could be her children who are living in that other place, um, including American Girl? And is 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 it trying to break through? Is that is it trying to get through the door? The thing is, when the giant or fireman or whatever is watching he's observing the mother mm-hmm. but he's only perturbed when he sees bob right mm-hmm. he's not worried about the actual event of the mother spewing out all these eggs that doesn't seem right. to trouble him as much it's the fact that he freeze frames on bob and that seems to be the thing which is a problem yeah and i do wonder if this links a little bit to the idea of bob always just hitching a ride in other forms Mm. whereas he's exploiting that in some way so maybe he's exploiting you know i don't know how to put it but maybe in some alternate reality the um detonating of the atomic bomb is synced with the mother or the experiment spewing out all these eggs but bob is then actually uh, exploiting that fact to then 
come into the earthly plane at that point then. Um, because I, I still don't understand, you know, why he's still in that sack, whereas there are other eggs there. Mm. And they clearly show another egg behind it just to show that that's what those other things look like (laughs) i think you brought this up in your pod as well there's something odd about the fact that you know it could just be them saying oh look one of these eggs is actually bob but it doesn't seem right it does seem like he has that smirk of somebody who's inhabiting another spirit almost he's traveling along in that stream um it's not like it's an egg and they zoom into the egg and inside it's Bob. It's no. something which is traveling with that stream of eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's it's interesting, just as you were saying that, um, the fact that we see, the only other time we see Bob in that form, in that egg, is when he's being removed from uh, Doppelkoop's body. And here we see another sort of removal, f- but in this, this stream of eggs. So is this, maybe the mother figure was being inhabited, like you said, maybe this is the act of... of getting rid of bob mm. either oh, yeah. either like a forceful ejaculation of of bob into the world by mother or this event was going to happen anyway and bob is going to now like you said hitch a ride and come down to earth and then this is his earthly form and he's going to to wreak havoc now that he has access because there's nothing saying that that bob or any of these inhabiting spirits can only inhabit earth bound creatures it could mm-hmm. be that bob can inhabit any of the creatures across any of those spirit realms that you know yeah yeah the secret history talks about yeah so just to shift slightly what what do you do you have any ideas or uh concepts for what the other eggs might contain um like are they all the the frigate slash cock frog frog, (laughs) uh of that we saw in uh new mexico or do they have a different purpose entirely? Are they connected to the woodsmen? Like, do, do you have a, any sense on how those are connected? I think given that the first um, appearance of the experimental mother is a creature that seems quite malevolent, implies that the eggs it's producing might also be evil as well in some way. Right. Um, yeah. I still you know, can't really figure out how it ties together because although the woodsmen appear at the same time, sort of in 1945, they're only starting to be turned um, later on, like 11 years later. So at one point I thought, you know, are they just the products of those eggs? So So I'm still not sure if the cock frog creature is actually bob or laura or if it's just showing us what one of these bugs can do and this is happening all over the place you know maybe certain people are being selected to have these things put inside i mean it it doesn't Mm -hmm. really make um sort of complete sense at the moment but certainly i you know i just don't know if the ultimate role of these eggs is actually you know definitely a force for good or a force for bad at the moment. Right. Um, certainly, if you watch the events, you can link them up in your head in a very linear fashion. Yes. But that seems to have been proven a very uh, dangerous way to observe the return so far. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think it's it's some, maybe we'll just have to reserve judgment a little bit. But um, 
but given their prominence in this in in part yeah. eight i think the it's not something some people have suggested that maybe we'll never see anything more from new mexico and 1956 but i think they're gonna they're gonna tie back somehow but how yeah we what, the, what don't know shape yet. that's gonna take who knows um so kind of kind of something related to the the cock frog and the uh the woodsman we have this this poem this incantation that is delivered um which uh, one of uh one of the questions came in from eg michaels who says that just wanting wanting to know if, if if the water chant is the sister chant to the fire walk with me chant and it's something that we've seen brought up a lot in uh, across a lot of social media platforms that um uh you've got these elemental well they're elements yeah, yeah, you've elements, got fire yeah. and water are we going to see air and earth come into play is that something that that is gonna uh maybe play a role in 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 all of this are we going to see some kind of elemental spirits at work is that what bob is some kind of elemental spirit mm-hmm. and the woodsmen are opposite them um because fire obviously is put out by water so if if you've got a, a creature that's giving an incantation about waters and mm. yeah well that... bob's favorite poem was fire walk with mm-hmm. me so potentially maybe that that might shed some light on his removal perhaps they're there to put a stop to bob potentially if they're the water that's going but to they also seem like they're not wholly on the side of good yeah, if they're, they're going to walk into a radio station and just murder people yeah, yeah. um i'm going to guess that they're not the greatest of characters but it does throw some some questions Mm -hmm. around their motivations i think uh what do you think of just in general about the incantation as well what Mm -hmm. what what are your thoughts there what's happening but it it does seem like it's very specifically kind of lulling people into unconsciousness Mm -hmm. um so it could be that it's something that is designed to knock people out to allow these um, creatures to to get inside and and take a foothold. Um, so is it is it a, a spell almost? Uh, are they, is is he driven to go to the radio station in order to transmit this across a wide area? Yeah, I'm not sure if the woodsmen are um, necessarily driven by knowing what it is that they're supposed to be doing are, are, are they almost kind of programmed to do this yeah or do they know what this grand scheme is that they're a part of does he know why he's he's making this chant or is it just something that he feels compelled to do um because certainly he seems a lot more very specifically driven than some of the other woodsmen that we've seen who are just kind yeah. of wandering about or sitting about yeah. Um, are, are they waiting for something to trigger them into action to do what they're what they're there to do? But I think a lot of it does depend on what the cockfrog thing is, because we're kind of inclined to think that it might be evil because it looks so mm-hmm. creepy and horrible, mm-hmm. and just that kind of body horror image of it, you know, crawling into her mouth is horrible. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it therefore must be malevolent. Um, it, it it could be it could be a complete trick on Lynch and Frost's part to make us think that this this has to be something evil because it looks so disgusting. But maybe it maybe it isn't. Um, I I don't so I don't know if, if these eggs are actually you know bringing some of the the lodge spirits that we've seen or are the people who ingest them going to become some of the 
the kind of initial inhabited people. And mm-hmm. I don't know, but there's there's something that seems very specifically different about Bob as a spirit to the other lodge spirits that we see. Because the other lodge spirits, they they look the same inside and outside of the lodge. Like Mike looks the same mm. um, as the person he's inhabiting, which doesn't entirely make sense. But Bob only ever looks like Bob either in the lodge or when people see him as the, the the spirit within the person that he's inhabiting. He doesn't otherwise seem to have a physical form in the way that, like, like why does Mike look like Philip Gerard? Unless it's just yes. a convenience thing of they're just going to keep the actor. Yeah. Um, so I, there's some, I think there's something different about Bob to the others, mm-hmm. um, to the Chalfonts and um, maybe to any other spirits that, that we've seen in the convenience store or, I, I, he might be a different kind of entity to them. And is that why maybe he's entered the world in a different way in this this kind of funny sack instead of an egg? Yeah, and, and I mean, the, it it makes you wonder about, again, coming back to what was he doing in this stream of eggs? If those eggs aren't hatching something that is necessarily evil, because I think people are just assuming that they are because, A, like you said, this grotesque creature comes out of the egg, but also because of their close proximity to Bob and because Mother killed the Tracy and Sam in New York. But that that could all be happenstance. Like, maybe this Mother creature isn't necessarily evil. Maybe this is, like, a fear response from a creature that's been trapped and now escapes and kills Tracy and Sam in that way but but there's no actual malevolent um, motivation behind there maybe mother was seeding the earth for some other purpose and that's why Bob tagged along tagged along Um, but I think you're absolutely right that that he does seem marked off as different as other because of the way that he is portrayed Um, and a lot of that might certainly be because of constraints here with the actors and and stuff like that but but I think they're going to do something interesting with it just because again I have faith in in Lynch and Frost to do that Uh, hasn't led me astray yet but um, that's that's just yeah one way of looking at it I Mm. guess I think the idea of insects being able to go through multiple stages of a life cycle is going to be important yeah. as well because yeah. i can imagine this thing emerging from an egg in that state mm-hmm. but you don't know if it's going to go through a cycle when it's in a host right and then turn into something potentially quite beautiful and a force Absolutely. of good um, yeah. like so a caterpillar turning into a butterfly yeah, right exactly. like it could be something like that um there might also be something to be said about uh the fact that it took 11 years for presumably yeah. for this to happen and i was i was thinking about cicadas and i think it's cicadas that have the weird life cycles where some of them only hatch every 20 years or some of them only hatch every you know maybe that's something uh related to that and and those are interesting creatures that have a certain amount of mystery to them um and and then connecting it with what you said about maybe they maybe they will turn into something beautiful in the end. We just don't know. We're we're making a lot of assumptions yeah. based on the appearance of this this uh, well, insect with, with the woodsman. As we mentioned earlier, you know, are they a, a force of pure evil? Right. We, we really don't know at this point. Yeah. Um. And that's that's one of the again, reharping on my own point from earlier, but uh, that you know, 
uh, Twin Peaks is always about duality. You know, the capacity for evil and good exists in, in everybody. I think is one of the kind of moral points that's that's made over and over again. So um, we're watching them and thinking, oh, these guys are evil, but maybe it's just an interpretation of their actions that, that in we, that moment in that right? moment that kind of leads them that way. Yeah. Um, and to kind of transition smoothly or not so much, uh, we we had another question about a character that you know we've kind of assumed is evil all up to this point. Um, but uh, Michael Honeyman asked, um, what's the deal with Ray? <laughs> Ray's getting very interesting. He, uh, you know, he obviously outswindled Doppelkoop to get the gun. Um, and he's been talking to Phil Jeffries. So obviously Phil Jeffries' role is, is obviously very dubious still. But, you know, he started off as an FBI agent who maybe even pointed at Cooper and said, do you know who this is? Because he's really Doppelkooper kind of thing. Um so is Ray potentially, I've seen it floated that he's a CIA agent and he's mm. actually working with the government as well to, in order to um, capture these evil spirits who are terrorizing the woods. Um, the fact that, as you said in our podcast, that he wasn't very um, disturbed by what he saw after he shot Cooper. He he handled it pretty well, all things considered. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of moaning and screaming, but, you know, he managed to drive off and wasn't too terrified afterwards. Um you know, so is is there something going on with with Ray um, more than what we've expected so far? I think Ray knows a lot more than he's letting on, mm. but I don't think he understands it. Mm. That's a good yes, a good distinction that's a good to way me. Because it yeah. <laughs> um, it's weird. I, like the the one thing that always struck me was, and it's never really been resolved. And I'm sure they will return to it. Is his origin at that weird shack? with right. Otis and Bueller and where he turns up with uh, Daria and it's like they're being kept in the back. Um, there's something strange about that whole situation, which is not just them being criminals for hire. There's something going on. Um, and I think that certainly the conversation he has with uh, the character who may or may not be Philip Jeffries implies that he was not um, completely surprised at what he saw. but he, yeah. And so he he was simply reporting what he saw, but he didn't find it odd. He mm-hmm. felt that this was necessary to uh, potentially what Philip would want to hear. He needs to know right. that this had happened in some way. Um, but he doesn't talk about it in terms that imply that he understands who Bob is or or specifically that something has been extracted from him and that might be one. He says something has come out of it. Almost like he's reporting things that he knows Philip may understand more. Yeah, um, right. And it also implies that, you know, like we found out in the original conversation at the hotel between Coop and Jeffries when Daria was there as well, you know, Philip is really, he does seem like a puppet master in this whole thing. He's playing everyone. Um, and I think Ray does fall on the side of somebody who, maybe more so than Daria, is aware of what's actually happening. Because he knew to get out and go yes. and get caught in the prison, um, yes. yeah. which is weird. Yeah. And he, he also knew the coordinates, or he knew a way to access these coordinates yeah. that that uh, even Doppelkoop couldn't access right. for some reason. So, um, and, you know, what's the backstory of that? How did he get to know uh betty and you know yeah. what, what's his connection with her 
um, yeah, so it raises many more questions for him. I feel like, yeah, he's a character, but when you initially saw him, you're like, oh, he's just a bad dude. Yeah, he's just a thug, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's one of those great ways that, that Lynch and Frost can subvert our expectations, which has happened a lot in, in The Return. Once or twice. Um, <laughs> just a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But specifically with these characters, it's like going against what, what happened in season one, especially in the pilot, where every character was introduced um, via their relationship to Laura, and we understood them very quickly, and we knew what was gonna what was happening. We knew which roles they were gonna play right away, very very early on. And here we're getting that almost every time that's subverted. We meet um, uh, Ray, and he's a thug at first, and then he ends up being much more interesting as we go mm-hmm. along. Or Janie E is another character who we meet. We think we know what they're like, but then they get subverted, and then you get this completely opposite. Uh, opinion of them or reaction to them Um, which is something that's really interesting just in terms of how uh, Lynch and Frost have evolved as as uh, writers and filmmakers and and artists and and how TV maybe has evolved as well and that now we're we're branching out now this is a broader conversation than maybe we started but but it's uh it's just interesting to note I think that that and Ray fits into that perfectly because mm-hmm. because there's so much more to him than you initially suspected. Well, yeah, and it just begs the question of what what other characters are we thinking? Oh, they're just minor. They they'll disappear in five minutes, and then they're gonna they're gonna come back and be major forces. I mean, right. uh, that that gives me a lot of hope for uh, Constance. I think Constance <laughs> is gonna solve it all. That's that's my fearless prediction. Um, so and it, we had another question uh, from Michael quickly about um, what 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 are the coordinates for? Uh, any wild guesses or theories? I haven't. I haven't seen. I mean, the obvious one is some sort of portal, gateway. Um, but is there anything else out there that you've seen that's that's really interesting? I think the one thing that struck us a little bit was the fact that, and again, I, we might be misremembering it, but Ray references numbers, and Coop references, or or Mister C references numbers and letters. And yes. I do wonder if what Ray has is like half the set of coordinates, and there's another set somewhere else. Um, like maybe he, ha- like maybe Mister C already has half the information, and that's why he really desperately wants the rest of it. Because it was very odd that that statement where he's explained to Daria um, very clearly what coordinates are, and he says, yeah, yeah. and he seems to know that they will take the form of numbers and letters. Yes. Um, but, I, but then Ray only references numbers, yeah. which is which is interesting. But I, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I think it is going to end up being um, a portal of some kind. I mean, could it even be like the convenience store? Is that mm. where he's trying to go, or is he, or is he trying? Is there some reason why, because of some weird time stuff, he's trying to get back to? Um, Glastonbury Grove or something and he doesn't right. know where that is or something right right um the other the other possibility is that it could have something to do with Major Briggs as well right that um like we mentioned we haven't found uh his head maybe there's something I mean Major Briggs is we know that weird things have happened with him he's not the age he should be and it seems like he's been traveling through time probably through time uh almost certainly because of of that that discrepancy so um he's intimately tied up with all of this so is there is there some connection there but yeah i i'm i'm really not sure 
back to, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What were you going to say? No, I was just going to say the, the other just completely left field idea of what the coordinates might be is the place where Laura has been returned to. Yes. Because she's she's run off somewhere. We don't know where she is. Leland mm-hmm. has asked Coop to find her. Is is there some way of, could someone know where it is for, for any reason? Because that would be something that presumably, certainly a version of Mr. C who was inhabited by Bob at that time would certainly be very interested in finding out. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And that ties in really nicely. If, if the Betty that is the secretary of Bill Hastings is Betty Briggs for some reason, which some people have suggested maybe she moved away from Twin Peaks after her husband died and became a high school uh, principal's assistant. Um, Maybe that's how she knows. Maybe she knew something. She always did seem to know something about more about what Major Briggs Mm -hmm. was up to. So maybe he was in contact with her throughout all these years. And maybe she had the coordinates because Major Briggs knew the coordinates of where Laura was because he knew she was going to be sent back. And maybe that is what what they're after. That would be a really, really interesting, um, like the stakes automatically go up hugely if it's if it's someone important like Laura. (laughs) Aiden's like, yes, I want that to be the case now. Yes, please. Uh, So sticking with kind of the earthbound evil that we've... Well, some more or well, less, I guess, potentially. Potentially, earthbound. We had, we had some pretty evil characters introduced uh, in part five. Part five and part six, six or part six? Around, part five and six there. with yeah. Red and Richard Horn. Um, Jay Hotch, one of our uh, Twitter followers who sent us a question, has a theory that Red is a magician and that he might be the Tremont's grandson. Um, so, which is very, very possible because yep. we've got... Uh, him playing magic tricks and playing with coins and uh which is something that the grandson was doing back Mm -hmm. in the second episode of season two so do you think that that's a possibility that that red is a magician in that sense um the same the same sense that the tremont grandson pierre was was a magician i think there is something to that um Mm. i think certainly what's very striking is that he does not to he does not appear to be sort of a hundred percent from the real world. Yeah. yeah, he can. He clearly has powers of some kind, and they go beyond um, an element of uh, sort of hypnosis or suggestibility. He's able to do right. things that are a bit funky, and I think mm-hmm. the only time I've seen that is in the Secret History when Jack Parsons does the magic trick where one coin right. becomes two and things like that. Yes. What is a bit strange is how he fits into existing mythology and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he's necessarily the same character um, as the grandson of the Tremonts. I think that, that might be a bit too on the nose to have that yeah. character grown up. Um, but I think it, it does tie into the fact that maybe the appearance of Lodge Spirits in the real world has now become out of control in some way. So whereas they were occasionally flashing in and out of existence, like the Chalfonts and Tremonts were, and appearing to mm-hmm. certain people at certain times, a strange thing is maybe they have gotten a hold on things. And you can imagine this being another lodge spirit who is right. out there. Again, if they're out there to harvest Garmambosia, maybe 
you know, running a drug empire is is the way to do it. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. His connection with Richard is interesting, too. And I, we can talk about Richard now as well, because I think um, he was kind of introduced in a way that made you think that this was the most evil person that existed in Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, and and his well, origin story is Chad still. Well, yeah. OK, yeah, Chad is pretty bad, but but I mean, Richard killed a kid. Yeah, like, that's yeah, that's yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. And 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 he's he's so violent and it's so uncharacteristic. Uh, the only time we've seen that before was with Leo, really. And this takes it to another level. Yeah. Right. So is is Richard Horn of more significance to this story or is is he just the returns Leo Johnson? I don't know. It's. It's a really interesting scene when you see him with Red and you see him so completely, um, effectively within Red's power. Yeah. Because yeah. any kind of, any logy feel that people were getting from Richard, uh, which was kind of leading to all sorts of theories about his parentage, and we still don't know who either who I of his parents are. Mm-hmm. Um, when you actually put him in a room with someone who definitely does seem to have some kind of connection with the Lodge, he seems almost insignificant in comparison yeah. with Red's ability. If he wanted to, he could have just killed him. Right. Um, so I, I don't know if it's it's something that is just... that he is just a, a mundane, evil person. Um, and that when he's suddenly faced with someone who has so much more power than him... Um, it upsets him because he would clearly love that kind of power but doesn't seem to possess it at all Um, I can only worry what might happen if someone like him did get possessed by some kind of lodge spirit because then you would have the worst possible combination of what seems to be a despicably evil human being potentially possessed by I mean what what would happen if you got possessed by Bob it would just be a (laughs) absolutely Ethan what do you think well I think the other thing is there was that element of Leo and there was one time when he was undermined which was when Hank came and found him right because he was evil the whole sure. time he was evil before he was evil afterwards but wasn't there a moment when Hank lamps him and says something like you know I asked you to watch the store not take over the business or something mm. like that right and that yes. was a weird moment when all of a sudden you realize that somebody as evil as leo could become um you know a very kind of pathetic cowardly character it was like a front mm. that they put on to the people who they could um bully but when they were um faced with something that was a bit too much for them and often when they were in isolation and not being observed by other people they would crumple immediately so maybe he i mean like you say maybe he is i mean there is a there is an awful thing about this which is maybe he just is a mortal human and he is just evil because that Mm -hmm. is that has always been a horrible theme about things in twin peaks is that you know it's nice to blame these things on evil spirits but actually you know the evil that men do is inherent in them in some way Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and we can try and attach labels to it but Mm -hmm. you know it's the same with you know with leland it's you know there's an element of how complicit he is in what he does yeah and that ambiguity makes it all the more disturbing and unsettling because we play i think really through 
the first two scenes of Twin Peaks, thinking it's Bob inhabiting Leland. And Mm -hmm. what makes Fire Walk With Me very hard to stomach in places is the realisation that Leland himself has a... Well, at the very least, he has an awareness. At the very Mm -hmm. worst, he is actually directing his actions during um, at least some of the events that we see there. Yeah. And that brings up some really interesting questions regarding Cooper and his doppelganger as well, because, um, you know, talking about the, the Cooper Trinity is how we put it in our <laughs> notes and um, that there's there's a Dougie Coop, there's the good Coop we saw in the ledge, and then there's this this doppelganger that's out there. And uh, and there's there certainly seems to be a hint with especially with Leland that even when you're under possession or or something that there's you're not going to do anything that you wouldn't have already wanted to do to begin with right um i think it was it was the canner esperanto podcast in their secret history or sorry secret diary of laura palmer episode where they they kind of referenced bob as being like a trickster figure Hmm. who would influence you to do these the, to, to act on your impulses more so than than actually being the one that does them um so there's there's kind of an element to that of that to what's going on with cooper i mean uh certainly the the hint that that doppel cooper did something heinous to diane possibly did something heinous to audrey Annie as well um, after he got out of the lodge would would kind of lend some credence to that 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 maybe these evil doppelgangers or these the evil uh, inhabiting spirit that Bob is um, is just acting on what Cooper maybe already wants himself uh, which kind of I, it, it's it's a horrifying thought that, that that there's an element of the Cooper we know and love who is in these evil actions, and I'm just wondering how that how that plays into this neat dichotomy between good and evil that um, that that we're talking about here. Because if if there is an element of our Cooper in these evil actions, and there and everybody has the potential to do evil, um, how did how does that it does complicate things, doesn't it? It 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 how, does it change the way we look at Cooper? I don't know. I think there's one thing which I always forget, which is we have kind of seen original Cooper, and that is in that opening scene right. when he's talking to the giant slash fireman slash question mark dude. Um, he doesn't. He does. It's odd because he. It's hard to know if he is good or bad, but he has almost a serenity to him there when he's talking. He's very calm. He's not perturbed by speaking to the giant. And it's odd because if he disappeared, he must have been in another place and he must have been transported there. And he's not perturbed by that at all. He's just sitting there talking to him. And I do wonder if there's something about that scene being somehow so far in the future that he's come to reconcile these problems. Yes, um, right. And I think you're right. I think they are going to go there a little bit and start trying to talk about not just the um, the idea that Cooper has been in the lodge for a long time, but 
the human side of it is that he's emerging into two situations. One Mm -hmm. is that he may potentially, if they merge, start having the recollections that Doppelkoop has had. Right. The second thing is, how does he interact with those who have been harmed by Doppelkoop? Because they're not all right. going to believe there was an evil doppelganger around. It's, exactly. You know, it's it's almost like his life has been ruined by Doppelkoop. But at the same time, that was his shadow self. It wasn't yes. like another character impersonating him and doing these things. It was the unrestrained Cooper doing things. So what if he had no moral code? This is what yeah. would happen. And it's it's complicated. I mean, what do you think about yeah about that aspect of it? Well, and it, I mean, that's why I think it's so interesting if the, the Mr. C sits up and it's Doppelkoop and there is no influence of Bob, what, what is that going to look like? Maybe we've already seen, we, we just don't know that we've seen him without mm-hmm. Bob Bob's influence. Um, but yeah, it, it, it does, it, it brings that whole question of, of evil back home, right? If, if a character like Cooper can be corrupted or not even that he can be corrupted that he already contains that corruption in him and he for whatever reason in that in the lodge in the season two finale wasn't able to um prevent that that corruption from taking hold what does that say about the rest of us we don't have a chance right so it does bring that back to a a real human level that fire walk with me dealt with as well it brought that evil back home literally um that anybody is capable of doing absolutely heinous things. Uh, and it's interesting because um, that was really the struggle for Laura too, is that, um, mm. you know, there was the good Laura and the bad Laura. That's especially evident in the, the secret diary. Yeah. Um, but then fire walked me. That's really ultimately what it's about. You know, is she going to let Bob her evil um, take over and become who she, who she is? Yeah. Um, and you know, that that's the big you know, reclamation of Laura's character for herself, at least in, in Fire Walk With Me, is that she chooses not to do that. Yeah. And she, she goes down her own path. So I, you know, I always thought it was interesting that there was, you know, the the flawless Cooper, the the handsome FBI agent who gets taken over by his doppelganger. And then there's the cocaine riddled prostitute, <laughs> uh, prostitute yeah. uh, from Twin Peaks who who successfully defeated her her evil. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I think that the, the two characters are meshing there to, to show something about you know mm-hmm. what it, what it takes and uh, how it's not always, you know. You know, Laura had a bad side and she knew that, and uh, what you've said in many times, Lindsay, is that fire walk with me is partly an, an incantation saying that you should uh, allow allow the reality that you do have an evil side, and that um, you have literally to allow you it, need to walk with your walk fire, with it, walk with your fire, <laughs> and and. Uh, not be afraid of it really mm-hmm. and and that's something cooper really failed at so uh, yeah no i i agree i think it's it's really interesting to see um where they're taking that kind of exploration of of uh the good and bad and in, in human beings to this season mm-hmm. um because it's it's getting muddy and like all the characters are kind of falling to it um except for james james was always well james cool. is always being cool <laughs> yes so james i feel like i really i really hope that if we see Laura again, Laura and James are together in some way. What happens if uh, if you got doppel James though? Because <laughs> oh. that would be like the 
the most uncool person ever. Yeah. Right? <laughs> totally. Just yeah. a poindexter, yeah. just the worst character. Just pocket protectors, <laughs> like three of them. And just like, yeah, just really can't. Coke bottle glasses, Coke, yeah, suspenders. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's Stephen Urkel. Okay. <laughs> Urkel. Urkel. What, what How did I say it? Steve Urkel. Steve Urkel. And that's Stefan Urkel. Stefan Urkel, that's right. Yeah. Sorry. Go. Not the coolest guy. <laughs> <you're> sorry. <laughs> so Aiden, while you were just talking, I just thought of a, a really bonkers idea. So you were talking about the fact that, you know, Laura had, um, you know, obviously in some respects won by avoiding the inhabitation by Bob. And that got me thinking about the ring. Mm. Now, I'm just wondering, do you think that Hawk is going back to the Black Lodge to get the ring? Because that's where the ring is. And he knows about it because that's where it starts in the secret history. The Nez Pierce have it. And they give it to Lewis. So is that potentially why he's going back in in the future to get the... So so the scene where he goes to Glastonbury Grove, is he there because he needs the ring to bring it out in order to prevent uh, Bob wreaking havoc again? Mm. Yeah, potentially. that I, I do like that. There would be a nice circularity to that too. If, yeah. if it came from the Nez Perce and if it went back to into the, the, Possession the of care yeah, of, yeah. of a Nez Perce... Uh, member yeah that would be that would be nice and and tidy i don't know it's it's uh it is interesting because it was last seen with mike putting it on a table wasn't it when he removes it from well it falls off dougie's finger doesn't it and then yeah it's right. it's collected but it hasn't really been mentioned again and no. yet we have no, seen mike wandering around in these visions to to dougie yes. etc so uh yeah i just wonder so, if that's the reason why he's going back yeah yeah, no, it's it's a really good question, especially because uh, well, what's your guys' take on the ring <laughs> overall? I mean, it's, a, it's a tricky one. Explain I know. the ring to yes, us in ten please. words or less. Go. I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's getting close to three. You guys have hit the wall of theorizing. It's the worst thing you can ask somebody at three a.m. in the morning. No, so I'm explain kidding. explain the ring to me. <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> way to go yeah no well, i mean let, let's is it, is it good it. or is it bad is it like what 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 is yeah, the what, significance even just of it? your your gut feeling like did, did was it a good thing in firewalk me like did it help laura or was it you know a, a portent of her death kind of thing and that's why cooper said don't wear it you know what, what's your kind of initial reaction i think it? it marks people i don't yeah. think it's good or bad i think it's I think the only connecting thing is the uh, numbness you get when you're wearing it and the right. connection potentially to the it being on the left ring finger, etc. Yes. Yeah. Um, I've never really bought the idea that the sole function of it is to protect the wearer from inhabitation by Bob because we see it at other times and it's used in different ways. So I think it's yeah. it may just be an um, a mystical artifact from the lodgers that is now in the real world but potentially has different functions depending on who's using it and their motivations right no i buy that especially after seeing what what it how it relates to dougie or how dougie relates to it um because bob has nothing to do with that no and secret so. secret history of twin peaks didn't you know when the ring appeared it didn't really have anything to do with bob either it was, right. it was just another talisman that that Nixon pulled out, you know. Yeah. One of his many, I'm sure. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We can drop did the you, ring. Did, no, well, Bex, did <laughs> yeah, you did have, have something more? to say? I, I interrupted you again. <laughs> no, no. I was just going to say that I just wonder if it's something that just has power and is itself neutral, but depending on uh-huh. who wears it, that does it give them some kind of power? Like if 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 you need protection, does wearing That's it give you the power to be yeah. protected, or if you yeah. if you want to use it for 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 evil, or um, you know, it, it's, does does it give some does it give some kind of power to the the wearer that is within their own scope to decide whether that's a good or a bad mm-hmm. thing? Mm-hmm. But Jeffries does chant like the ring, the ring when he has that flashback to the convenience store, and I do wonder if that's going to tie in in the return with the Jeffries mythology in some way, mm-hmm. um, if indeed that is the same the same character we're seeing there is something there's something about the detail with which they're having callbacks to fire walk with me in this that implies yeah. that they they are all gonna wrap up um yeah. in some respect i mean may, maybe not neatly but i think a lot of these plot lines will converge in some way yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And I mean what's yeah. what's the deal with Chet Desmond disappearing when he picks it up? Or yeah. was he even yeah. real? Yeah. Well, yeah. Where, where are we on the whole was he real or was he a dream thing? <laughs> I well, I, I didn't buy the dream theory at first, but I've come to really appreciate it and and, and have even extended it to, to Dougie's situation, to Dougie Coop's situation, that maybe that's all a dream as well somehow. Um just in in my mind and in some articles that I that I wrote for twenty five years later site, but uh, it's it's really complicated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I thought there was something to the idea that um, Chet Desmond and, and Dale Cooper have the inverted initials and they both kind of look the same, but. Uh, they have opposite. It's almost like like Chet Desmond is Cooper's doppelganger, mm. you know, in a sense. He he does the opposite of a lot of the things that that Coop would do, and, and reacts to things differently mm-hmm. than how Cooper would. So it 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 does kind of fit in with that. I know Aiden, you had a nice theory that that the um, that the dream was taking place. It was Cooper dreaming in the red room of outside because that's how you dream when you're in yeah maybe you want to explain well no just that when cooper's in the real world he dreams of the red room and when he's in the red room he's dreaming of the real world Mm. um neither of them are therefore necessarily real Mm. uh like uh the dream sequences don't actually take place in the red room but he's dreaming of the red room just like he's dreaming of something that could have taken place in the real world um so yeah it could be something like that i mean but the fact that that chet desmond does have mention in in the secret history of yeah. twin peaks does seem, yeah, seem like, like it, he's a real person yeah so but then again the secret history i'm still on the i'm still on the fence about whether it's it's in any way related to anything that's that we're seeing now uh just because there's so many inconsistencies and retconning and, and is it retconning or is it or is it uh you know something else entirely mm-hmm. I, yeah who knows what do you guys think of chet desmond and also of the secret history of twin peaks then I think I was a bit on the fence about him until, like you say, he appears in the secret history and I started to wonder, you know, there must be some reality to the event. So it, it, I think it even mentions, um, doesn't Sam Stanley 
um, it says that he's no longer working for the yeah. FBI. He's now an alcoholic yes. or something. Alcoholic, and, yeah. 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 Um, so the implication is that Desmond is real and potentially Sam experienced or saw something that made him turn away from things. Almost in the same way that um, like Diane has cut herself off from the FBI mm. as well. There are, yeah. there are, there are lodge-like influences that have affected people in the real world. Um, But I've always wondered, you know, what really happened to Chet Desmond. And Mm -hmm. I think I think that is the kind of plot hole that I could imagine Mark Frost wanting to resolve in some way. I don't know why, but he's, you know, given that he wasn't involved with Fire Walk With Me, as we were saying, he's picked up so many other strands or or encouraged those things to be important, you know. I know people say that he disappears, but all you see is him reach for it and then the screen Mm -hmm. fades out. And you do wonder if what happens next is the thing that is quite profound. Um, Right. You know, for all we know, he then gets... Well, so the ring has never really been involved in transporting people anywhere. It's just been worn as potentially a talisman, good or bad. So... I don't think he takes the ring and he disappears from the trailer park. I think it might be something to do with the reappearance of Carl Rod in The Return. He might okay. know what happened to Chet Desmond. You can almost imagine that conversation coming up beyond the the bit where Cooper, you know, speaks to him and says, you know, what happened? He said, oh, he was here, he was looking around, he's gone. Maybe he, he does know what happened and he just wasn't talking about it then, but he might be willing yeah. to talk about it now because he has clearly mm-hmm. seen a lot of weird shit in the last yeah. uh, few years. Yeah. As well. He's gone places, yeah. right? <laughs> um, but as for the secret history overall, I mean, I think I do hope that there is something very elegant that explains all these inconsistencies. So mm-hmm. we've spoken about, you know, our theory about how the secret history is is something to do with a document that explains what may have happened in the absence of lodge influences on the real yeah. world. Yeah. Um, and we keep coming back to it, but it, there are still so many things that kind of need to be brought in that it's really it's, it's really tough to kind of figure it out. And mm-hmm. I don't know if the final dossier is suddenly going to shed light on anything or it's going to be a completely separate entity right. in itself yeah. and be, you know, and be the originally promised um, history of what's happened in the last 25 years yeah um but yeah i the secret history i think the fact that so much of it is coming true makes the um errors and omissions even more glaring yeah you know it's just strange that so many plot points are there if you've read it i you know it's not an yeah. essential read for the show but if you have read it a couple of times you're seeing callbacks all the time mm-hmm. um and i think you know the omissions will mean that either they are man-made with some specific intention or there is some uh lodge-based reason why certain plot strands have been edited out i mean whether it's just a mm-hmm. strand of documents that have been removed i don't know um mm-hmm. but it is very strange and i think also the other element of that is the whole windham earl side of things which is the one element which has not been touched upon at all in the return oh. but i think yeah. is so crucial to what may 
be part of the big mythology here because he was around as one of the mentioned agents in the Blue Rose situation mm. and then he's dropped from yeah. the whole thing. And he's so yeah. important for Cooper's arc as well. Yes. That mm-hmm. I think he is going to at least conceptually have some return here as well. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't even know how to Yeah, no, no. Winnem Merle is 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 a totally a big... different page that I haven't even considered. Kind of forgot he existed. Yeah, we're running out of room in the book, okay? There's a lot of pages that haven't been addressed <laughs> in the last 11 hours, so we need to get on that. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely true. This might be a good place to kind of segue into a broader uh, broader topic here. Joshua Brookshire brought up um, some really good points when he wrote into us, and the big question that he had was, at this point, do we even really need a fourth season? I know there's petitions going around and people are talking about, you know, what what more could happen. Uh, everybody's been kind of cagey of like the actors and everybody saying, you know, talk to David but yeah. uh, and Mark. But, um, but given what we have and knowing what we know about how this story was structured, are we going to be satisfied at the end of this and then getting the final dossier on Halloween? Is that going to be enough? Or, or do you think there's... I, I mean, it is early, but is there a need for a fourth season after this? I don't think so. Hmm. I don't know, but I am absolutely loving the return. Hmm. And I think it's it's an arc which is got me completely engrossed, but it ties together so much of the narrative mythology but also how i feel about twin peaks as well it feels like i've waited this long to see how this grand story is going to be played out and i see that happening now and it's not that i think any extension would cheapen it in any way but i can almost see the return being the end of Twin Peaks as we know it on TV I can see the book I could potentially see a film afterwards mm. um, but it it seems the effort that's gone into this I mean getting everyone together it has taken I mean I think they were talking so that it was announced in what 2014 and mm-hmm. they've spoken about the fact that they started thinking about it a few years before that and writing it yeah. it's so yeah. elaborate that they can't seriously be ready to put out another season within you know a year or two i think it'll be you know a lot longer and i think this story does seem like it's coming full circle um and i i don't really see um at this point a need to continue it if the story Mm -hmm. has been told um but again no one knew that it would come back after 25 years although it was clear that the idea was it would have been great to wrap the story up yeah. um what do you guys think about this i'm with you Ethan. i think that um if mark frost and david lynch want to do a fourth season then i'm totally on board with that but it has to come from from them and from some sort of organic need to continue the story and and i, I think that we're going to get a nice maybe not a nice wrap-up maybe it's not going to all tie together in in a way that is you know satisfying in the way that other shows 
finish off but I think it's going to be enough and I think that the story will be finished you know um yeah and I, I tend to agree yeah I, I think you know if it I mean it could well, we might be reconsidering in in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. because we might come out and say what that was not an ending <laughs> thank you uh but we'll you know we'll have to wait and see um but for now yeah if it's if it's another 11 hours of there's 11 hours 10, right? hours. 10 hours oh no if there's 10 more <laughs> hours of of the type of storytelling craft and visual and everything that we've seen so far um yeah i'll be totally happy with with this this conclusion so um, what do you think bex yeah yeah i i have a weird feeling that this is it mm-hmm. i think as you say the the amount of time and effort that it's taken to put this together and also i mean it's very sad but there are, there are a lot of cast members that we're now watching and this is their last ever performance you know mm-hmm. so many people that even from a, a practical perspective of trying to to do it again it would be without a lot of really important characters yeah um i i think it would be a bold move if they've ended the return on the kind of cliffhanger that they ended season two with back in right. back in the 90s um yeah. i i i think that they have probably decided that i, I don't expect everything to be tied up in a bow but Mm-hmm. I think this is going to bring some kind of closure for Laura's story and possibly for mm-hmm. Cooper's story as well. Um, and like you said, may- maybe a film, because a, a, a film, you, you wouldn't need such a big cast and it would be very, um, it, it would be very specifically focused. But I'm, I'm not sure what what the focus of a film would be. Um, mm-hmm. But I'd, I wouldn't be disappointed if this was it and we've got 10 more hours of something completely wonderful and magical to come and that it has an ending that if not ties everything up at, at least gives an element of closure and and coming full circle on things where if nothing ever more got made it, it really mm-hmm. wouldn't matter because it would mm-hmm. be enough as, of, of what we've got um i think it would be it, it would be a bold move on their part if they were rolling the dice on getting another season and then it not happening yeah. and then yeah. you can't wait another 25 years. It won't work. No. <laughs> no, exactly. Such a good point. 96-year-old David Lynch. <laughs> that would be something. Would be... Reinventing television yeah. as a centenary. <laughs> I think also um, this, uh, the one thing about the final dossier, I think yes. that is going to be mark frost's final word on it in a sense yeah. especially right. if it does cover the the missing time between season two and the return you can yeah. almost imagine what's covered there um completing the arc that was begun yeah. in episode one and ends at the end of the return and in the same yeah. way for somebody who's such a original filmmaker who does use recurring themes I think everyone's been noticing the recurrence of motifs that go back mm-hmm. through all of Lynch's works. Yeah. And it almost seems like this may be his big statement on his career as well. I think he's going to continue mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah. But I think this is almost like so many things converging on like the perfect um, 
interaction of Lynch, Frost, the creative teams, the cast, everyone. And the fact that they've decided not to recast Bob, for example, implies that the arc of Bob involves Frank Silver. And they're not going to keep rehashing that um, again and again. And I don't think they were able to make another series under the same level of secrecy that they've done this one. Right. And so therefore, I think the mystery would never be the same. I mean, the anticipation Mm -hmm. of this is overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And it's strange, but on a week to week basis, each week feels like 25 years now. Yeah. You know, it feels like you're waiting to know what happens. So and, true. and all of a sudden we've got it and we're watching it and we'll savor it. But I know that there's been some talk, I think, in some of the press things where they said, you know, well, there could be another series. It depends on, uh-huh. you know, but I think that's just part of the fluff of it all as well. Maybe they don't want to reveal that there is an ending to it mm-hmm. in some respect. Um yeah. But yeah, um, I think this is, I think this might be the end. And I think that wouldn't be a bad place to stop it as well. And isn't that incredible that we can say that after only eight hours? Yeah. yeah. Like knowing, knowing what, what is potentially coming down, down the pike, I think. Is, well, not knowing. It's well, not down. knowing, but, but we have eight hours to yeah. kind of make, hazard a guess, maybe, yeah. Yeah. Um, that we're, we're satisfied. A lot of people are saying the same thing, that that this this would be a fine way to send off these characters in this story um and what a box set in time for christmas yeah right exactly (laughs) exactly the blu-ray version of of the return only one break only one roadhouse credit scene otherwise it's uninterrupted um yeah well and that's probably a good place to end our conversation yeah we've come um, full circle come yes. back to the the genesis of the return and mm-hmm. the ending of the return yes. i guess as well <laughs> um so yeah bex eason thank you guys so much for for agreeing to do this crossover episode i think this has been tremendously fun yeah it's been yeah, wonderful it's been great yeah and uh um I'm looking forward to your thoughts on the rest of the the, yeah, the, the return, episodes, and yeah. um, maybe we'll do this again at the end. We'll we'll do a final episode wrap up when we when all eighteen hours have aired and we we return to everything and count up how many things we got wrong and how many things <laughs> we got right and see if our feelings have changed in any way, yeah. shape, or form. And but, we'll all be uh, pleading for more episodes as well. Pleading, <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> exactly. on our knees, just begging. <laughs> I totally see it happening, too. So this is us signing off from Listening Post Alpha, Bickering Peaks, and... Time for a cherry pie and coffee.